You are listening to Hope Fellowship Church in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. Our mission is to bring the hope of Jesus to Jaffrey and beyond. We are here to know Christ, grow in Christ, and serve others. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit hopejaffrey.org. talking about love, but how does love cast out fear? Let's look at uh, 1 John 4, verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Did you pick the theme up yet? Okay, love, 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 love. All right, um, verse 9, it'll keep going. In this, the love of God was made manifest or seen or revealed among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Big word, propitiation, we'll look at that. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected or completed in us. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen, notice this, seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. We've seen and testified. Verse 15, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And then here's another key verse, verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe. Know and believe. That the love that God has for us, that God is love. There it is again. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. That word abide can mean remain or stay. Verse 17. By this is love perfected or completed with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. Here's verse 18, the key verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Father, we pray, God, that you would open up this text to us this morning, speak clearly to us, help us with our fear. Help us, Lord, as we are so eagerly anxious and worry. God, help us to see your love in a new light today, that all fear would leave. In Jesus' name, amen. What is love? What is love? And that's the song goes. We're not going to sing the song, okay? What is love, right? What is love? What is true love, right? We, we say that a lot. It's true love. Some of you might, as a kid, I was like, I love sports and I love pizza, right? I love them, right? And I've made the joke before in the past, I love Tom Brady, right? I did, right? Back in the day. But do I really, you know? There's, this word love is used so many different ways, talking about pizza and sports, and then here, God says God is love. And then Isaiah 43, he actually says, God says in Isaiah 43, 4, he says, I love you. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. So, so I've been thinking, I, I, was, I don't know, I feel like I've shared this in the past, a story of how um, 
how I found true love. Okay, right? Everybody so, aw. Okay, there we go. You'll, you'll pick it up. All right, so um, I know this is a Sunday morning here. Uh, but we, uh, we found, I found true love. I met my true love in high school, okay? Jamie, she's not here in the front row. I believe she is somewhere around here. She's hearing the sound of my voice. But I, I told her I was going to be sharing this story. But um, we met in high school. We were high school sweethearts. She was dating another guy. I was dating another girl. We eventually broke up. She told her friends she'd never date me, okay? That didn't happen. I, I didn't let that go, right? And I, I, I persevered, okay? And uh, finally, we went to some like harvest fest or event at school and we started dating. My mom doesn't know this, but we held hands on the bus and all of these things, okay? Mom is here, this gets awkward, okay. Um, so then we, uh, we, we started dating. We dated through college. Uh, but one of our, in high school, what we used to do back in the day uh, was we talked on the phone. Mom remembers this. We used to talk on the phone all the time, and then you'd hold up the signal or whatever. Nobody could call because you're on the phone for hours. But we were on the home phone. Do people still have those things today? You know, like a landline home phone? We used to sit outside. I would sit outside in my red truck in the front yard at night talking for hours about sweet nothings, you know, or whatever. Um, and my, my wife, at the, no, Jamie at that time, we were dating. We were dating. She was talking on the phone somewhere else as well. And it was nighttime. It was one of the first times we finally had one of our first real conversations on the phone. And we, and we were looking up at the stars, and I kid you not, this is getting really romantic. I was looking up at the stars, and we saw a shooting star. To this day, I'm not joking, okay? We both wished upon the shooting star. Like, this is like Hallmark movie stuff. And I, 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 we wished upon a star, and then, you know, as a good boyfriend I was, I was begging her to tell me the wish, you know, what she wished for. Of course, though, if you tell someone what they wish for, it doesn't come true. But eventually, she, I, I got her to cave. She told me what it, she wished for, and I was super disappointed because it was like something super basic, like help me, Lord, to get a good grade on the test on Monday. And I was like, well, that was what you wished for? And then, of course, she then begged me, what did you wish for? You know? And I wouldn't tell her because I'm strong, right? And I didn't cave. And for years, I wouldn't tell her what I wished on. Years went by. We dated we broke up for 24 hours in college. We won't talk about that. But then we got back together. And then uh, we were dating, dating, dating. And then after, we gradu- after I graduated college, um, I took her out to a dinner. Really nice, fancy restaurant. Restaurant we always wanted to go to when we were younger, but we couldn't afford. Probably still couldn't afford it at that time. But finally went to a nice, fancy restaurant. It was nighttime. We're all dressed up. And then we went outside to this garden that's there. And there's Christmas lights, like white lights all around. It's dark. And I told her to look up to the sky. Here we go, getting romantic again. Look up to the sky, and I said, do you remember that time when we wished upon a star? And uh, we wished, and she's like, yeah, what did you wish for? Because she used to beg me all the time. What did you wish for? She was always trying to get me. I said, so she said, what did you wish for? And I said, well, I would love to tell you what I wished for, but first, I have to ask you a question. And so I got down on one knee, and I asked her to marry me. And I said, would you marry me? And she didn't even say yes. She just tackled me and hugged me and said, what did you wish for? That's all she did. I was like, you're supposed to say yes, and there was supposed to be this moment. And then I was supposed to say, well, you know, I wish that you would marry me one day. And so then I could tell you the wish. And then, but then she said, well, yeah, of course, duh. So yeah, we, we, that was the, the story. And that was where true love was formed and fashioned and continues today, right? 
perfect, true love. Well, the point of sharing all that was to stick something in your mind that that is a true love story, my true love story. It's not yours, right? It's mine and my wife, and I love her dearly. But even our love that we have for, other, for each other pales in comparison for the love that God has for mankind. This is where the preacher segues from story to application, right? But it is. It's this concept of, of love. We read it, 1 John 5. It's very simple. God is love. What in the world does that mean? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for your eternal soul? The fact that God is love. And how does he express that love? How does that change our definition of what true love from God actually means? And what does it do? The fact is, here in this message, for the few moments we have remaining, is ultimately that the love of God is the ultimate antidote for fear. The love of God is the ultimate antidote for fear. If you look at 1 John 4, verse 13 and 14, it speaks about two words that I highlighted as we were reading it. It tells us that if we abide in him, we are with him. But it tells us in verse 14 in particular that that in him, this person that we're looking at, John is giving us a testimony, an eyewitness account of someone that he has what? Seen and testified. So he has seen this person with his own eyes and he is testifying to you about the existence of this person and the importance of this person and who is that person? Well, he's giving us an eyewitness account. This is something that we can see and we can testify that God sent his son into the world to be our savior. He gives an eyewitness account. If you were to look at John chapter, uh, chapter one, first John chapter one, verses one through five, we're not gonna read them, but John gives another account of how he has seen the word, he has seen Jesus, he has touched him, he has heard him, he has watched him, he has seen him proclaim the truth, and now he is there to testify to you about the existence of this person. He is giving you an eyewitness account. John, the gospel of John, First John, as a disciple, he was there. He's like, I was with him. I had meals with him. I listened to him. I walked with him. Many of you have not seen him in this way, but I have. I'm telling you, and now it's as if he's in a lawyer courtroom and he's brought up to the stand, and this is an eyewitness of the event that took place. This guy, he was there. He saw him. So in other words, we're saying that this is real. This is trustworthy. This is not something that was made up. This is not something that we can just pretend Rather, this is something that was real, verifiable, historical. Jesus was a person who walked on this earth. And so if Jesus was real and walked on this earth, who was Jesus and what did he come to do? Jesus came in many ways. In verse 9 through 10, we see this. He came to embody love and to embody life. These are concepts, as we said. Love. What is love? So many different things. What if love was embodied in a person? What if love walked in here and sat down next to you? This is what the scripture is telling us in verse nine. Look at verse nine, 1 John four. After it said, God is love, it says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. Manifest, maybe a word we don't use all the time, maybe. Revealed, made visible or seen. The love was made visible, was manifested in front of us so you could witness and see love. What is love? It's right here. It's a person. The love of God was made manifest to us, among us, and what is that? Well, God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. 
Verse 10 says, in this is love. Well, what is it? Well, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. How amazing is that? It's not so much that we loved God, but that he loved us. The love of God embodied in the person of Jesus. Ultimately embodied in the person of Jesus so that it can be seen and so that the action of love can take place. It wasn't so much me just talking about Jamie and how I loved her, and yeah, I should get around to asking her to marry me one day. Oh, I love this girl dearly. Well, do something about it, as you would say. Put a ring on it, right, you know? Do something. So this idea, I could talk about love all I want, but until I take action upon that love, it is still just a thought and an idea. Okay, so some of you who are maybe in that point, don't say that the pastor told you to put a ring on it today, okay? Just uh, you speak to the Lord about that when that timing is, okay? The pastor said, no, okay. Um, and then embodied love and embodied life. Again, First John tells us how the eternal life has come in, has been made manifest to us. This is love and life embodied in the person of Jesus. In fact, John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. The glory is the only son from the father full of grace and truth. The love of God is seen, it is touched, it is heard and received. This love does not just love, but it loves so that it gives us life. Do you see that? So it says in verse nine, 1 John 4, 9, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live. So that we might live. We sang about earlier how we've grave and the death no longer. We've, 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 we've sing about it, we talk about it, how we live through Jesus. It is life that is found in him because of his love. And it is because he is ultimately the only son of God. Do you see that in verse nine? God sent his only son. Some of your translations that you might be reading it might say his only begotten son. Does that ring a bell to some of you who memorize the Bible, right? His only begotten son. Where else do we hear that phrase only begotten or only son of God? This word only ultimately means that he is the one and only son of God. He is the the way, the truth, and the life. He is the precious firstborn in some ways. Not firstborn in created, but in authority and power to do something about the situation that we're in. He has received the inheritance from God. He has the authority on God to, to, to... to work the kingdom of God here in the flesh. So does the only son, this only begotten, well we read it obviously in John chapter three, verse 16. John three sixteen. we were talking about it in our ninth grade class. Ninth graders, you remember that this morning? John three sixteen. one of the most common verses in all the Bible. I'll quote it here often, but we, we read it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Life. God loved the world, sent his son, so that you can have eternal life. Now we stop there very often. We move on. We talk about the verse, but look at verse 17. Keeps going on, and it enriches this. It deepens it. It gives us this beautiful picture of what's going on. It says in verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, like an old broken down building that's so rotten and gross and disgusting it just needs to be condemned. He didn't do that for you. He didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. What did he do? He didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's amazing. That the world might be saved through him. And then verse 18 goes on. 
ultimately, that whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So now we have a dichotomy. We have a division. We have a choice that needs to be made. We have something that's presented to you. God loves you. He does. He sent his son. He acted on that love so that if you receive that love and receive God's son, you are not condemned. But if you reject that love, the Bible says that you're condemned already. Now there's a decision. Now there's a a pushing point here. What is it that we're going to do? Will we receive God's love that he has for me or will we reject it to his face and choose our own way and ultimately seek to love ourselves to salvation which ends up in destruction? So it's only good news unless you choose to believe it. And that's the next point. Look at verse 15 and verse 16 of 1 John 4. Okay, you guys still tracking with me here? Verse 15 and 16. It was seen and testified. Now it's know and believe. Know in your head, but believe. A little bit more, right? The connection between knowing something and believing something is the most important thing about us in many ways. That, that there are many things I know, I can memorize. My mom was a biology teacher. She had us memorize all the, the bones in the body, all the muscles, right? And as you grow up, you had to memorize all the names for them. The sternocleidomastoid, the gastrocnemius, the deltoid, the bicep, all these things, right? But how do they work? What muscle does what? How do you know what the body and how it works? I have knowledge, but do I understand? And then do I believe that that knowledge is true? All right, so so when it comes down to this, verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So that, verse 16, we have come to know and to believe. What are we believing? That the love that God has for us. We know the love of God and we believe the love of God and that love that he has for us. And that often comes out in the verse before as it said, confess that Jesus is the son of God and God will make his home inside of you. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In some ways, it's very simple. It comes down to ultimately just believing the gospel, does it not? We hear this as we grew up in in many ways, a a Christian nation of sorts where the word gospel is used in a variety of contexts. What is the gospel? Well, verse 9, we've already read it, but I want to look at it again because I want it to stick in your head. Verse 9, 1 John 4, ultimately lays down to some of the major tenets of the gospel for us. Think of it this way. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. Think of it in realm of this. What is the gospel? Look at verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest. God had love. He revealed it among us. John 1 says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled, kind of tented among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10, In this is love, not that we loved God. We weren't in a position to love God. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one is righteous, no, not one. You don't climb the ladder up there and say, yep, see God, look how strong I am. Now you need to love me, right? Nobody is righteous. No one has achieved the pinnacle, deserves God's love. In fact, we says, the Bible says in Romans that we are children of wrath, deserving punishment and judgment. 
We have rebelled against a holy God. Our sin breaks that barrier, breaks that connector, and we are at odds with God and far away from him. But the God who is far away has been brought near through the person of Jesus so that you in your blindness and in your darkness can see a great light and that you can come near to the gospel of Jesus Christ, which means the good news because he sent his son to do something about it and he loves you. Not that you loved God, but that he, this is verse 10, but that he loved us. And then he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. If you were here a couple weeks ago, you heard this word talked about. This word propitiation. I love the way Warren Wiersbe, he, he's a commentator, he really simplifies things. In some ways, I just need to take more tips from him because he does a good job of just, man, that's a simple way of putting it. Because propitiation, what is that? Jesus is your propitiation for your sins. I dare you to use that word 10 times this week in conversation, okay? Propitiation, right? What does that mean? Well, Wearsby says this. Propitiation isn't something we do to appease God to make him like us and not punish us. Propitiation is something God does to make it possible for men and women to be forgiven. God is light and must uphold his holy, perfect law. Yet God is love, and therefore he wants to forgive and save sinners. How can God forgive sinners and still be consistent with his holy nature? If he's love and light, how do they mix? How can God forgive sinners and still be consistent with his holy nature? The answer to this question is the cross. Jesus Christ bore the punishment for sin and met the just demands of a holy law. And there also God reveals his love and makes it possible for men to be saved. The cross is the greatest example of love. What is love? The cross. Look to the cross. For there is where we see the embodied love and the embodied life take the cross and dispense both to humanity and thereby also appease the wrath of God upon our sin to make it possible for us to be forgiven in the sight of a holy, holy God that we can now have fellowship with him who walks in the light. For we previously walked in darkness. How is it that we can have fellowship and walk in the light with someone who is light, holy, and pure? Jesus, God's love, made manifest, visible to us. Not just that he came and chatted with us and said hi and said, you guys are doing a great job, keep it up. And then he went back to heaven. (laughs) He came because we couldn't do anything about our own salvation. And he came to be our salvation and to make a way for us to go to heaven to be with him and to then one day restore and redeem this creation to live in eternal bliss and glory with him. He he took our punishment. He he canceled the debt. You were dead in your sins and in your trespasses. We have all sinned. We've all offended God. If you think you have not offended God, 1 John 1 says you're a liar. If you say you have no sin in you, You make God to be a liar and you yourself to be a liar. You've offended him. And yet he didn't leave you in that offense. He died so that you didn't have to die. He died so you can live. And yet how is this possible? Why is that? Why would God do this? That sounds ridiculous. I know how evil, wicked my heart is. The fact is the reason for all of this is because God is love. And yet do we believe that? 
God is love. And that God would actually love someone like me. And so then I wouldn't have to constantly be afraid of my soul, my position before him, fearing God as if he cannot wait to punish me and put me in my place, or seeing God as someone that I, I love in return for the love that he pours out in my life. God will abide with us and remain with us and stay with us. And in that, we are told that we are given confidence. Look at verse 17. By this is love perfected with us and that we may have confidence for him in the day of judgment. Think about that. Imagine having confidence. The day of judgment comes, you come before the Lord and you have confidence before him. Why? Because you're amazing? No, because he is and he is love and he loves you and you've received his love. Therefore, you have confidence. Why do you fear? What are you afraid of? God loves you. You see that? And so it's in this beautiful aspect that in the day of judgment, we don't have to shrink back, as it says in 1 John 2, and be afraid of his coming. Rather, we can step forward in confidence because he loves us and he is a loving father who calls us his child. And so we get to this final end of the point, this last kind of major overarching umbrella here. Loving and perfecting. Verse 18 through 20. Another very famous verse. A verse that I bet even if you didn't grow up in church and you haven't been to church in a while, you've probably heard this verse before. Perfect love casts out fear. I mean, I, I would bet John 3.16, this verse as well, something you've probably been familiar with. But what does it mean? 1 John 4, verse 18 through 20. There is no fear has to do with punishment, it says, but there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. What is perfect love? How does it cast out fear? Well, there's many different ways. I just want to give you like two illustrations, then we're going to bring it to a close. One illustration I found, St. Augustine shared this and wrote this many, many centuries ago, but he talked about the idea of fear and love, and he spoke about it in regards to a, a needle and a thread. And the needle is something that maybe many of you fear. Maybe getting a shot or a needle is scary, right? It's like get woozy at it. And the needle pokes a hole and causes pain. And in many ways, even as we reflect on the fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom and all of understanding, is starting with the fear. Yet often we can live in fear and allow ourselves to constantly be poked, to feel pain, to fear. But rather, if we imagine that fear has on the end of it attached to it as a thread, and the thread on the end of that needle is the love of God. So as the needle pierces us, it is pushed out, and what remains? God's love. The, the fear of God is cast out. The fear in general is, is cast out, and what remains is his love. And then we fear again, but we push out that fear, and what remains is the love of God. And we fear again, and then we push it out, and the love of God remains. What remains behind, what stays with us, because fear is fleeting, is that the love of God can bind us and clothe us in a, in a rich clothing of his righteousness and in his love, so that you can grow in his love, and his love remains. It is the thing that stays, like a thread in a piece of clothing, as the needle is pushed out and far away. The thread binds you together, but also God's love and this perfect love, which is a complete love, is not just any old love. It's a love that is completed. It's a love that must have a connection point and it must follow through. It's like you're trying to charge a battery, you're trying to jump a car, but the black gripper thingy is, is over here. 
and the connection is not being made. It is broken. The electricity is going in and then it is stopping. It is not charging the battery. But if you complete that connection, the circle, the circuit can be made and the electricity can flow. It's similar to this, like God's love, another commentator says, is like a fountain. The perfect love that casts out fear is like a fountain. Because it's not that one time I felt fear, but rather that fear was in my life and, and, uh, and then love comes into my life and now love flows out of my life. It is as if you can imagine a large fountain flowing out and cascading down over this fountain. When I visited my brother in Charleston, there's a fountain called the Pineapple Fountain. It's a giant pineapple and water comes cascading down the edges of the pineapple. It's really beautiful. Kids can come and play in the water, enjoy the blessing of the water in a nice hot summer day. But that water comes from somewhere else comes from a reservoir far away. It's as if you could say the mountain, there is a reservoir of water that is then piped into the city and flows out of the fountain. That is like the love of God in this instance. God's love, he is love. All that is love comes from him and is piped into our lives and then is supposed to burst out from our lives to bless others around us. We love because he first loved us. So the concept is, is if that pipe is plugged up or blocked up, God's love can come to us, but we reject his love. I do not want it. I do not want to humble myself and receive the love of God. Therefore, the love of God will not pour out into your life because you're a plugged up pipe. You, you have rejected his love. But instead, we open that pipe, we receive that pipe through faith. It opens up and pours into our life, not just so then I can be soaked, but so that God's love pours out. See, completing the perfect love of God is the key. It is receiving his love and then pouring it out to others. We love others because he first loved us. It is a cycle, it is a circle. So then I love God because he's loved me. I love others because he's loved me. And when that is going on in our life, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. Because the perfect love of God casts out fear. You have nothing to be afraid of because God loves you. And now you pour that love out unto others. But if you keep it to yourself, if you hide from him in shame, and you're afraid of him, then you have everything to fear because the word of God says condemnation is waiting for you. But the fact of the truth, or the fact of the matter, the truth of the matter is that God loves you. He has sent his son for you. And you can live fearless because you're no longer condemned. Because Romans 8 says, God shows his love in Romans 5, but as he shows his love, Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we can be fearless today in some ways. We can fear less because we have more love in our lives. And we know that ultimately when that pipe is completed in faith, we believe and that, 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 that love comes flowing in our life and nothing can break that. Nothing can separate us that. Is that just the preacher saying that? Romans 8, verse 35, what does it say? What can separate us from the love of Christ? What can, what can separate you from God's love? You receive his love. What, what can break that? What's stronger than God's love? Anything. <laughs> Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger. The verse goes on, verse 38. It says, for I am sure that nothing, nothing, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nothing, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers here and powers that be, verse 39, 
Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord. We can be fearless because we have more of God's perfect love in our lives. But the challenge is I close. It's a warning, as I've already displayed to you. And I don't do this in every service. But it's that warning that it is in some sense we're putting you, the, the decision on you. You can come to church, you can say the right things, you can go to Sunday school, you can do all the right things and look good on the outside, but is God's love being perfected in you? Have you believed that in God and his love for you? Have you humbled yourself before him? Have you received his offer of salvation and faith through belief and trust in him? Because belief and trust and faith is all about him, not us. It's all about what he's done for us, that he sent his son, that he loves us, that he is love. Because Proverbs says that there is a way that seems right to man, but its end ends in destruction. There is a way that might seem right to you. There is a way that seems different from this, that you have the answers and you know more than God and his word. And I pray that God would humble your heart. For those he humbles, he exalts. Those who come to him and draw near to him, he draws near to them. Say, I don't know all the answers, Pastor. I don't know all the verses you know. That's not what it's about. It's not about knowing all the right things. It's about believing. And some of you might be doubting today. Well, I just had a rough week. Well, doubt we might, we may, but believe in God we should. We believe in him. We receive his love. What is it that you fear? Why are you afraid God loves you? Now we can walk, not afraid of punishment, for whoever fears has not been perfected in love, but rather there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. So now tonight, today, we walk in a place, we walk in a path receiving the love of God and now we live in freedom and in liberty. We don't live under condemnation, fear, guilt, and shame. Those things are, are the areas of, uh, that push us down. It's this aspect of walking in what Christ says we are in our identity in him and receiving the embodied love and life that comes from him. It's, it's the best news ever, right? It's good news. It's the gospel. It's salvation. We can't save ourselves. But God has done something to save you. Believe in him. Put your faith in him. Confess in the Lord Jesus Christ that he is the son of God and you will be saved. If you want to talk to me or someone else after the service, you can pull me aside, one of the elders. Some of the prayer team potentially will be here. I know some of the elders might be available I'll be in the back, might be in the front. Come up, find me. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to talk with you about how you can know Jesus, how God can show you his love into your life and you can walk abiding in him and the best part of all is he abides in you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this truth. We thank you for these words. Would you speak the truth of your love and, in, and your life into us today? God, help me as I try to make clear these things. Lord, help these words to go forward and be clear. May your spirit clarify where I was confusing. And God, may you speak truth into our lives. God, we, 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 we recognize your power. We recognize how you love us. And yet, God, give us the faith that we need. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, today, encourage us. Strengthen us. Give us hope for tomorrow. Give us faith for today. 
Lord, we need you. We thank you that you sent your son to save us from our sins. In Jesus' name.